does somewhat send the message to fans that this isn't the same Mets from the Sandy Alderson regime when that's whenever that started. We're trying to you know move on to a new day. That that's the way that I take it as a fan. Join the conversation with Tommy Weber. Pro and college baseball coach Tommy Weber brings you cutting-edge interviews and thought-provoking commentary in a weekly podcast dedicated to baseball, sports, current events, and the world. Check us out on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and TommyWeberBaseball.com. And make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TommyWeberBaseball. It's time to get the conversation started, so here's your host, Tommy Weber. From the Gotham Podcast Studio in the heart of downtown New York City, my hometown, Tribeca, the greatest city in the world. This is The Conversation. Welcome back, everyone, on a beautiful sun-soaked spring day here. Uh, we got my buddy Anthony Esposito, needs no introduction, famous two-way St. Francis guy. He's been here a number of times. Uh, he's no longer my guest. He's a uh, periodic co-host. We just gave you a bump. Whoa, right? whoa, you just got, whoa. I think you just... Wasn't I expecting you, that. I think you were just made right there. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's your second time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this might be more important. Right. right. Um, there'll be no blood uh, here today. Okay. Um, gorgeous day. A lot going on. A lot of sports to talk about. It's the NFL draft coming up, which... You're one uh, of my favorite, uh, favorite days of the year. Yeah, I'm sure it. it is. I'm sure it is. You're... <laughs> rabid football fan and you have a a vested interest in the uh, events happening tonight Um, but we're going to kick it off with a couple of things about the state of the game our game baseball that we talk so much about and um, you and I had a brief conversation and have constantly been texting each other of course about a lot of stuff that's happening in baseball today and and through basically almost through April um, there's some pretty uh, enlightening and shocking results and stats uh, for those of you who are, and I guess you can't help but be so nowadays, uh, inundated by statistics and in love with statistics. Um, it, give us the stat you gave me uh, while we were waiting to go on about uh, Major League Baseball and April. Yeah, it was, it was interesting. I read it the other day. It was saying on a year-over-year basis for the month of April, this is by far... Um, have the least amount of ground balls hit, most amount of fly balls, and the most strikeouts, which I find to be really, really interesting. Yeah, and I find that to be interesting for a number of reasons. Um, in a game, you know, in a game that people need to be entertained, and the way you get entertained is by having action. Mm-hmm. Uh, you better be putting the ball in play. Um, fly balls are instant outs uh, for the most part, uh, and home runs. Uh, strikeouts are a killer. Nothing happens on a strikeout. See, I, I, I really don't think, I think baseball's got this wrong. I don't think people come to see home runs. I think, I think people come to see action. Action, exactly. Uh, which is why I think the ballparks are too small. Uh, there aren't enough triples. There isn't enough action. There's not enough fielding. There aren't enough plays that go on. So if you don't have the ball being put on the ground at all, uh, that uh, washes away a great deal of potential action. Sure. Right. Um, some of the skill positions you don't need to be as good at. And as one of the observations I made to you earlier was, I can't believe how many games I've watched where there was really shoddy defense. Balls were being kicked and thrown away, and it just looked to me like 
even though I understand the weather's cold and you're just out of the box and spring training has just ended, the reality is at the major league level, the game should be a lot tighter than they are. I, I, should, I should say that I'm, I'm more surprised than I am, but I'm not because it just seems like fundamentals are a thing of the past right now. It's not in vogue in today's baseball, unfortunately. Yeah, I see them laughing at guys like Brendan Nimmo, who runs hard, who turns the, you know, we used to play, as you know, in Brooklyn, we used to play automatics, right? Yeah. If the ball went off the wall, it was a double, it went higher off the wall, it was a triple or whatever. And baseball has really become a game over the last 25 years where it's become an automatic. You know, the guy hits the double into left center field, and the guy casually, center fielder casually picks it up and flips it in. Well, the other night I was watching on two occasions. I forget, it might have been... I don't know who the club was, but two two uh, separate occasions where balls hit into left center field, and you could tell that the outfielders sort of said, okay, he's going to comply with the unwritten rule where he trots into second base. And this guy, whoever it was, to his credit, um, was busting it out of the batter's box, which you never see. No. That's a thing of the past. Um, busting it out of the batter's box, thinking three, knowing that he had two. And sure enough, he got to second base. You know, He got 30 feet from second base, and he realized – I can get the third here, and he turned it on, and they sort of, for lack of a better word, lobbed the ball into the, into the infield, and it was a close play at third base. The guy was safe. Uh, that could be the difference between a win and a loss. It goes back to being, like I said, fundamentals. Absolutely. It's, that's a critical part of the game where, you know, less than two outs on third base is almost an automatic run right. as, as opposed to having to, you know, get a hit and drive a guy in from second. So. Right. And what I'm seeing also increasingly, and, I, and obviously the increased strikeouts and the lack of ground balls, uh, tells a different story. It doesn't tell the story of enlightenment. It doesn't tell the story that we've found a better way. I think it's just the opposite. Uh, it tells a story of ignorance. And what you're ignoring is the importance of each and every run as they get to second base and third base in the scoring position and the value of one run. Um, I'm seeing more and more Mets play the Phillies uh, three games, and I saw on both teams uh, instances where the game was still close, um, you know, 2 nothing, 3 nothing in that area, and there was a critical, runner, critical run, an add-on run at second base. And in an 0-2 count, guys swing at balls that weren't thrown 100 miles an hour at their chest and strike out. Trying to hit the ball as far as they possibly can, rather than when you get to 0-2, thinking, okay, what can I do here to make a productive out? I want to get a base hit, obviously. But the thing that increases the likelihood or decreases the likelihood of you getting that hit is swinging as hard as you can and trying to lift the ball. That's the most – that's the chance – uh, that's the least likely chance of there being a positive outcome, yet I have seen it over. I've seen Gleyber Torres do it over and over and over again. Um, you want to force the pitcher into a mistake as well, too, because they're, they're, infa- they're not infallible as well. Correct. Right? So and I'm, really what you're doing is you're swinging at a pitch, and in both cases, if you watch the game, the catcher was setting up, wasn't setting up for a high pitch. So that pitcher is now throwing a mistake, which you're rewarding him for by swinging at, and it's the pitch you can do the least with, and ergo both times strike out, don't move the runner over, don't score that run. No production. And, um, you know, the value of productive outs seems to have um, just disappeared. It's like we talked about the last time, Re- like as, as a player, like redefining what success is. It seems to me nowadays guys aren't happy unless they're hitting the ball out of the park. Right. Does really, I mean. Which I, you I, can do, if you, which, which the best guys do once a week or one and a half times a week in a major league season. Think about that. One and a half times a week will get you over 30 home runs. But I don't blame the player. I blame the organization. No, I, I, I look, yeah. it's, it's, it's like anything else. It's, it's, th- these guys have been trained. Th- there is a new normal uh, that everyone is bought into, hook, line, and sinker. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, baseball is a game that is infested by groupthink. There are very few independent thinkers in base- baseball because there are only 30 teams, 30 jobs. People want to belong. They want to be in the boat. So once somebody says this is the way we're going to do it, they buy it irrespective of its probative value. Um, and guys want to keep their jobs. So And broadcasters want to keep their jobs. And the MLB network employees want to keep working at MLB. So everybody buys into a, a narrative. It's a huge trickle-down effect. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it affects the players. And we've got kids in the minor leagues. We've got coaches that I know. And there's a real conflict between what organizations are telling guys they have to do and what players want to do. The players aren't as willing as organizations would make you think. What the, what the organizations are really doing is forcing the players to conform to something that in many cases may not be in the best interest of the player. But the organization, as I said to you earlier, it seems... They'd rather fail their way than succeed some other way. Well, what's going to happen now is, is that the team that's willing to zag while everybody else is zigging is probably going to be the best team in Major League Baseball. Isn't that what happens in business? Yeah, absolutely. Right? Isn't that why I've said this for years? I know they make tons of money in baseball and sports, but the reality is they probably lose a lot of money too because very few teams are innovative. So, I mean, if you were an owner, right, and I came to you as a general manager and said, hey, look, there's 29 other clubs in baseball that are doing this this way. I think we have a better chance and a better probability of succeeding by doing it this way. What do you think? If you're an owner, what are you, what are you going to say? I'm you're, all over that. You're all over it. Right? I'm all over it. You want you want what's in the best interest of your investment and what's in the best interest of your club, right? I'm very surprised that you know these are supposedly supposed to be some of the best and brightest in the business, and no one has has come forward to uh, to do that yet. Which is well, you, you hit on something that we talk about a lot. Um, I think if there's a benefit to uh, allowing the kids that weren't picked for the choose-ups teams into front offices, uh, and, and there is, it's, it's not the benefit people think it is. Right. It's not the data benefit because we all knew the data. You know, if you were in the game for any period of time, you know what the data is. None of this data is new to anybody. No. It's expressed in a different way. But everybody knew that, you know, Giancarlo Stanton's hitting the ball harder than – Tommy Weber, because it's, it's he's twice. That, my, it's no. just a different way of expressing the what you see on the field. It's, I don't. It's expressed I, in a much more complicated way too. Absolutely, it's a much more complicated, less entertaining. Much, certainly, much less a colder, more distant way. It's less intimate. The game is becoming less and less intimate. That's been happening oh, for doubt. years. 100%. No question. Uh, the game is no longer cozy and warm. The game is really cold, calculated, and everything is for sale. And everybody, any anything, you know. Giancarlo Stanton just exhale. That's brought to you by (laughs) (laughs) renews it. Uh, uh, So um, I I think I think um, one of the the biggest benefits of having um, these guys now in 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 baseball is there is I do see a move towards the realization that baseball is a business and you what. Baseball is not unique. Baseball traded for a long time on the false notion that there's something different about baseball from anything else. And the reality is there are certain rules that apply to everything, everywhere, all the time. No matter what. No matter what. Right. The law of gravity applies at Yankee Stadium exactly the same way it applies in this studio and exactly the same way it applies everywhere else on the planet. Uh, And the business laws, natural laws of business apply too. And you're absolutely right. You want to be – on the upward curve of innovation, you do not want to be a follower in business. And I think, I think 
perhaps uh, when this wave uh, hits and, and, and crashes, that hopefully the fallout will be that teams start to realize, you know what, just because somebody else is doing it doesn't mean it's a good way to do so it. So I think that's interesting. So I think this is the upward curve, right? And I think, I, I guess the, uh, the negative that can be taken from it is that we don't want to take a step backwards. Right. But have we actually done a postmortem as to determine whether or not this analytics movement or the way that baseball is played nowadays is in fact better? Well, you, you have, I have, but the message makers haven't Which and aren't is- willing to because like any other religion, and it is a religion, this is now a belief system. Right. Like, you know, this is one of those things where no matter what, You're still – you have to believe this. And I've heard this from a lot of minor league guys, a lot of scouts, a lot of people who are doing it or practicing it where, you know, you literally could be taking BP and when the computer is down, you stop because we can't measure your next three swings. God forbid we don't have every single piece of information in our database so as – so – and if you think for one second that the look on the players' faces is one of approval when that happens, you should think again. It is in direct conflict with what players instinctively feel, as you know. You know, if you're taking BP, you just want to keep going. Or you're doing a drill. You want to get into a flow and feel it. It's what athletes do. But um, the conflict there, of course, is that we – this is – it's actually as if the methods we're using are more important than the results we're getting. Because if you take a really brutally honest look at the results, what I see – is I've never seen – I've never – I'm watching baseball a long time. I've never seen so many teams that are just not good. You could twist yourself into a pretzel all day long rationalizing and making excuses for it. I don't care. I have never seen the quality of play with so many teams be so low. It's only April, and the gap between, I guess, what you would consider the upper echelon teams in baseball and the middle of the pack and the lower pack is immeasurable. And it seems – unbridgeable in the near future. It seems like the teams that stink are going to stink for a while, for a long time, time. for a long time. And, and, and I, and I guess, I guess what some people are seeing, what you are seeing when you see free agents not get signed is organizations are not going to add payroll unless they could reasonably assure themselves that by adding tons more payroll, by overpaying another guy, if I can't see myself being in the playoff hunt, why would I pay the guy? You know, it's an interesting uh, what I find. So nowadays, you know, we, we, we all know that the, the bullpens are a thing, right? So you got a guy like Kimbrell who can help any bullpen in Major League Baseball who hasn't been picked up. And you have a guy like Keiko who's a very, very I good, say, starter. good starter. Yep. I understand teams not wanting to go out and give Keiko boatloads of money just because the game isn't played. They don't value starting pitching like that. A little confounding to me why a guy like Kimbrell is still sitting there on the outside when, in fact, all teams are just running through their bullpens on a nightly basis. I, I wonder – well, I'll tell you why. Because if you project a guy to only pitch one inning, how valuable could he possibly well, be? You're right. Yeah, and if you said to me you've got Ramiro Mendoza who can pitch four innings, two nights later he could start a game – he could close a game and he could be a right-handed specialist all in the same season. That's a guy who you pay, you give him the franchise. That guy be worth the franchise. He's got man. an enormous amount of value in, in today's baseball. But they, but I'm sure there are guys who have that value oh, yeah. today. So you just, you're not allowed to display that, that value because I, I, nobody will ever use you in that 
varied a way. Well, I mean, the Mets use Lugo that way. He's he's an, he's right. another small part of the Correct. example, right? Another, Correct. He can throw multiple innings. He can give you a spot Correct. start, right? Correct. Uh, but a lot of the other guys, uh, I mean, and they've even said it about Edwin. Edwin Diaz is is, is a one inning guy. We're not going to give him the six. We're not going to give him the six out save. We're not going to bring him in. So in you games. have to you have to cobble together eight innings and hope to God you have a three run lead or less, and that's the only time he's going to pitch. So if in the sixth inning. It's second and third, right? And there's one out, mm-hmm. and you're winning by two runs, and Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig are coming up. <laughs> you're not going to want a guy who you think is the most likely to get you three outs in the game at that point in time? You'd rather lose the game in that point in time because Gehrig's going to double. Right. Or Ruth's going to double, and Gehrig's going to hit a triple because he hit like a 1,000 triples. You're going to allow that game to get out of hand without using... Your best weapon. Well, yeah. You've just declared it's your best weapon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's the way they are nowadays, unfortunately. So you actually really, yeah. you hamstring yourself. You put you yourself don't. into such a situation where I have no, you, you have no latitude or flexibility I, with how you're going to use your pitching staff. You know, I watch the games nowadays where both for the Mets and the Yankees, and I, and, I, and I see like on a Monday, they just tax the entire bullpen at the expense of a win. They'll get a win. And then Tuesday, you may have a guy like Wheeler through the other night. He was fantastic. And I was sitting there praying. I says, please get seven or eight out of Wheeler. Give these guys a break. It's a six. It's a six running. They went six nothing. Whatever right. they were. Let him throw. You know, don't use any of your bullets. You just right. used them yesterday. I, I was terrified he was going to go to Edwin Diaz in a six nothing game because he hasn't pitched in two days. Right. I, I mean, that's how, I, that's my fear as a fan nowadays watching these games. Right. And then in July, you know what you're going to hear, right? The bullpen's really taxed. Oh yeah, they're oh, tired. Yeah. They're so tired. Yeah. And 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 they are because they pitch every day. Absolutely. You're listening to The Conversation with Tommy Weber. We'll be right back. This episode of The Conversation with Tommy Weber is brought to you by 4momalz.com. Join the fight against Alzheimer's and support our good friends, Hunter and Braden Bishop, as they bring awareness to a struggle that many families face through their charity, 4mom. Make sure to follow them on Twitter at hashtag 4mom. And for all your mortgage needs, call Northern Security Capital Corp., the New York area's most dedicated mortgage broker. If you're buying or refinancing a home, there's only one place to go. Call Northern Security Capital Corp. today at 718-273-1010. And now, back to the show. little change of speeds here. So, um, I I also believe that... um, well, I, I had this discussion with my class today, so uh, undergraduate class at St. John's. And um, one of the things that they brought up was uh, the Yankees firing Kate Smith. Um, now, obviously, Kate Smith has been dead, I think, 37 years. Um, not here to defend herself. <laughs> uh, and um, Kate Smith uh, recorded a song that had racial overtones, over, I believe, over 70 years ago. Um, that song was also recorded by Paul Robeson, who was a black activist uh, and singer. Uh, so they both recorded the same song. Uh, and the Yankees uh, are distancing themselves from a tradition which dates back to post-September 11th, uh, where they uh, are the only team, I believe, that continues to sing God Bless America uh, in the seventh inning. Um, what do you think Georgie would say about that? Well, I, I you know, to me, this is like, an exclamation point on uh, on the Yankees um, stepping away from being 
a team who uh, revered their own tradition, if you will, and was really different and unique from other teams. Uh, this began when the Yankees started to uh, wear variations of their uniform, something that George Steinbrenner would never have allowed. Um, the Yankees sold out, in my opinion, their tradition when they started to do that because it was profitable to do it. You know, they have pink hats and they have the American flag hat and they have, you know, Groundhog Day hat. And if, you know, flag day, they, they, you know, they, they'll do anything in an effort. They have now become shills, in my opinion. Uh, and they've, they've um, stepped away from being a team that would stand for something. There was no more, there's no more standard either, right? Because he George set the standard. Correct. You want to play on my team, these Correct. are my rules. Correct. Now I see guys wearing white shoes. I see guys wearing different color socks. And I see I understand all this um, self-expression, if you will. But that's why they're a team. They are a team because individuals subordinate their needs for the needs of the whole. That's right. a basic premise of being of on being a team. Part of a team. It's funny. You know. And um it saddens me that the Yankees have done that because I really believe there was something really charming and really of value to that. And I think that this is um, part of their abandoning their um, principles. Not that it's a principle that they have to stand on. It's just that it seems to me like, A, I'm not so sure if they had made an issue of this, anybody else would have. Um, and I also think that there's just enough wiggle room here that this would have been something that someone should have said, listen, we understand, and we understand people are sensitive, and we understand that sometimes things offend people, but we don't think this ra this this rises to such a level that we should end this tradition, and we're, that's all we're going to say on it, and we're going to continue this wonderful tradition, which is to honor people that were lost, and the rescue workers, and those people who fight for our country and make the ultimate sacrifice, uh, also... That Kate Smith, you know, during World War II, like a lot of entertainers, worked for free to raise money for the war effort. You know, there are a lot of people out there who did really great things who, if you look closely enough into their past, they've done something that might disqualify them when you raise the bar so high. I don't know that any of us, any of us, the players, the owners, the managers, the umpires, the coaches, the fans, you know, supporting the game – could stand up to that level of scrutiny. And I really think it's a sad day, uh, but I do believe it marks a place in Yankee history that uh, defines the degree to which um, they have, as far as I'm concerned, lost their way. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think a lot of one something that gets lost in this as well, too, is the history of it, right? Whether you agree with what the, the vernacular or the words that were used, or, but look at the 1930s, though. I look. Though, you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, are we going to forget history? I'm, I'm, listen, I, I, I'm, I'm a f big free speech advocate, and that means the speech you don't like and the speech you hate, you have to be more vigilant about speech you don't like no, than the speech that you do like. Uh, and you just got to be careful about criminalizing words and expressions because you're going to start to run out of words. Eventually, you're going to pick the next word that offend somebody somewhere somehow it's just we live in outrage culture nowadays unfortunately. and i think most a lot of it is manufactured 
It's manufactured out. I think we need to stop telling people how it is they're supposed to react when they hear a word or something, somebody shakes their hand the wrong way or looks at them cross-eyed because I'm, I'm thinking that a lot of people who say they're outraged by something are really saying, I know I'm supposed to respond this way. And if they weren't told how to respond, would not have It goes back to group thing. It's group thing. Yes, absolutely. And a lot of pressure, political correctness and all that. But it's unfortunate now that it's made its way uh, – um, you know, I, 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 I my class Yankees, yeah. also what one of my students brought up was they renamed the disabled list. Oh, yeah. It's now the injured list because we don't want to offend disabled people. Well, first of all, who are we to speak for anybody? Mm. And was someone clamoring as to how offensive the disabled list was when I don't know about you, but isn't it appropriately named? Because not everyone who's injured is disabled. No. So there are a lot of guys who are injured. A guy is, you know, he's playing with a sore wrist or he's playing with a, you know, half broken toe or whatever. You know, guys throughout the season, guys are injured. Yeah, they get this ailment. What renders you on the list is you're unable to play. Rendering you disabled. You know, when I listen to the traffic report in the morning, the traffic reporter will mention a disabled vehicle vehicle in the right lane. Are we going to have her no longer tell us? Is she now – seriously, is she now stopped from using that word? Because uh, it's the same thing. <laughs> the car is not injured. It's disabled. Right? Yeah, no, you're right. And and wh- what line is disabled? Like, you know, the fireman who was out on disability? Yeah, I, I, who, who determines – when you've reached the threshold of sufficient disability that I could refer to you as disabled. And I didn't, I don't know about you, but I didn't see anybody complaining about the disabled. List. Disabled is a huge spectrum. Right. I mean, it's right. Like, I mean, I grew up and I, you know, my, my grandfather was disabled. He was, right. a, he was a diabetic. He lost his leg, but he never lived his life that way. He never wanted to see it that way. He, <laughs> went, he drove every day. He was up right. at 730. He was very right. convinced right. for himself. Right. You know, he never thought of himself as disabled, right? Like, I don't know. It's just. Again, it goes back to outrage culture and and and, uh, and now you're vilified if you if you mistakenly refer to something that you've referred to for fifty years as the disabled. Oh no no no, it's the injured. Oh whoa! Like I'm sorry, I've committed such an offense that I call it the disabled. It's, I've just misspoke. Please don't put me yeah, in no. you know political correct jail. You get eight hundred ads on your Twitter account, right? Right, exactly, yeah. exactly. So anyway, I just I just thought that that would be an, that you know I I teach the class I'm teaching is current issues, so you can only imagine. Uh, current issues in sports. That's interesting. Yeah, it's a great class. It's one of my favorite classes because it's all discussion and it really gets a lot of you know hot takes and you know I'm like, <laughs> you get to see what the what the next generation sort of sort of thinks. Yeah, I also I also you also see how I don't know if they know what they're in for. You know what I mean? Really? Yeah. It's, yeah. I don't know if they know what they're in for. I really don't. I don't know if they understand fully the ramifications of some of the things that they're being made to conform to and with. Right. You know, it's almost like I feel like you need a new hippie generation, one that says, you know, we're not going to conform anymore. Right. I mean, seriously. Um, so anyway, uh, Mets and Yankees so far. What do you think? So I'm a little I'm a little surprised at the and so I mean there's no secret the Yankees are just like I mean they're, they're a mash unit right now unfortunately I, mean, <laughs> I, I will say that you know why why do you think that is <laughs> why are guys getting hurt so much what what I mean that's another thing I've never seen so many guys get hurt everybody's that's hurt. something that you and I don't think we have an answer to I mean we could sit here and we could talk on seven shows in a row and I don't think we can come so up I'm going to give you a hot take which would get me a lot of ads especially on Twitter because 
Twitter is like Twitter is is like body bodybuilding. It's <laughs> it's like a bodybuilding website. Yeah, yeah, no. So here's my observation, and I draw no conclusion. I allow you to draw an inference from it, but I've never seen players spend more time in the gym, more conscious of their bodies, more conscious of getting bigger and stronger, and I've never seen commensurately more players injured. If you look at the the types of injuries too, like the shoulder. <laughs> The oblique for judge, right? So, I mean, on bicep, the, biceps on the on the Mount Rushmore of injuries, they, they don't come off as like extreme, right? It's not a blown knee, it's right. not Tommy John surgery, right. but the troubling thing is that these are lingering type injuries, right? Right. You know, I mean, he may sh- be shelled for four to six weeks, come back and yeah, pull. There's the nothing again. good about those no, injuries. No, there's not. But that's it's more commonplace now. The same thing with Cindergard last year with the lat. Right, the lat muscle. He was he was pretty much useless for the whole year. Another guy who spends way too much time, time. in the gym. I, yeah, I mean, we talked about this all the time. I think there's a certain level of where you should be focusing more on your skill and the the muscle groups and the and the stamina and what you not you need for baseball as opposed to the overall. I'm not saying you shouldn't go out there and try to be healthy, but you know you should focus on the muscles and the muscle groups and the muscle memory of what you need. Take take a hundred swings. You're going to build some muscle in your forearms doing that. Throw the ball longer distances for uh, for long toss to build up your arm strength and your stamina. You're not going to get that from lifting weights. It's just not going to happen. And so I, for all those like big, huge, bold guys that are on Twitter who tell you you know different ways to get into unbelievable shape. Yeah. So strength maybe doesn't correlate into durability. No, I don't think it does. Well, obviously it doesn't because play players are not durable. They no. are not durable. And yet I look back and I see guys like Tony Gwynn and Derek Jeter. Who didn't have a muscle in their body? Tony Grimm was fat. Wade Boggs, another guy. Wade I mean, Boggs. Derek Jeter was thin, had no muscle. Tone. Just, I mean, if you could just look at the '80s, right? Just look at the '80s. I mean, there was a couple of guys. Well, like even short- into the, even into the 2000s, there's a bunch of guys that you will see who were, you know, fit. But Bernie Williams was not a, you know. Wait, it was a big guy, right. but kind of soft. He didn't a have those, soft. You see those big traps that are coming out of oh the, my the God. uniforms nowadays. Every right? guy that comes v- to home plate, a V shape. Right. Now. Every guy that comes to home plate is. Unbelievably, I tell you, did, fit. did you watch the Yankees when they played Minnesota? Their third baseman. You want to talk about a guy who's uh, really not worried about shape? I think his last name was Castillo. Well, the, uh, the Met catcher. Well, the Met catcher, my Wilson Rainbow, says another right. guy. But the guy Castillo, he's a heavy set guy. He does not look the part. But he was over there making some. Or it was it was the rest of the Mets when they played Minnesota, making some ridiculous plays at third base. Like you could see the athleticism in a guy his size. Right. You don't need to be that V tapered. You know, to be a, an athletic guy, there's there's, dif- there's different ways to be athletic. But when you're when you're hunting power, which is what players are hunting today, I mean, yeah. that's really what they're after. Players are not. I'm I'm wondering if you really did a like a sur- not a survey, but if you really took a look at players and, and analyzed them and analyzed their skill set, I just wonder how many guys are not really good baseball players, but hit a ball twenty five to thirty times, can hit a ball twenty five to thirty times out of the ballpark, and that's why they're playing baseball. Yeah, it's true. There's, there's definitely some, there's some validity I to mean, that. I mean, you know, Chris Davis, and I mean, I, he's not going to hit 35. He might not get 35 hits. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> no, I mean, really, he's just sad. To, I mean, it's not sad. The guy's making $300 million. I don't care. Sad. <laughs> okay. You know, people, I feel sorry for that. I'm sorry. I can't that's probably, it. I tell you what, his agent did the best job. I mean, that's the best work I've ever seen because uh, he got paid off for one year pretty much, right? And I, and I don't know how, if you're an agent or if you're a player, you can't, if you're the union, you can't say to yourselves, we overplayed our hands. That's us overplaying our hands because mm-hmm. that hurt 
didn't help. See, they think that contract helped people. It didn't. It hurt people. In the long run, it hurt people. Because that gave them it gave it gave ownership and it gave people in front offices a the model to not emulate. We're not going to do Chris. So you're going to bend over backwards to make sure you don't make the Chris Davis mistake. We're not to, doing it, that. It brought to light how quickly skills can erode. You know what I mean? So especially that type of skill when you're power only. Right. That type of skill. Yeah. And I, 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 I'll tell you. Uh, and and as far you know, touching, I, I agree. The Yankees are. Le- the Yankees are less an anomaly to me, given the amount of injuries that they have, if you look at the competition. Well, that's what it is, too. I mean, so if there was ever going to be a time during the course of the year where they were going to deal with these injuries, it's, it's this stretch of the schedule, right? Because right? it's, it's been pretty weak. But, you know, I, I got to give credit where credit's due because they're still winning games, right? No, absolutely. You and can you, only play against who you, you play against. Exactly. I agree. Boone can only put the guys out there that's right. available to him. Right. But, but some of those guys, I mean, it's brought to light some guys that, are, you know, a guy like Talkman and, and Ford and right. those guys have, you know, it's brought to light some, you know, some other ball players and whatnot. Yeah, it does. And it also also, it also does kind of smack the analytics guys off the head a little bit. It actually, there's an element to it where it's a little bit fun. Right. Isn't it? Right, because you've got to be, the people, the bean counters and the geeks must be freaking out because this just doesn't compute. No. This does not compute. I, I find it, I mean, I'm always the guy that's going to root for the underdog, but it's kind of fun to watch those guys be a little No, successful. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Young guys who you you had no, I don't even, I can't name like four Yankees now. No, it's it's, it's incredibly difficult, but, you know, like I said, uh, it's, it's, it's the right part of the schedule for this to happen to them, but again, we talked about briefly those those injuries to Judge and to Severino. They can be lingering uh, issues throughout the course of the year where I don't know if they can be competitive. Oh, I think those them. are really I, – I think, you know, and, and let's face it. We've seen thousands of injuries throughout our lives to players. And some some make you go, ah, he'll come back. And others go, oh, boy. Those are very scary injuries. Those are the two. Me. I mean, I, when I heard Severino with the shoulder, I said it's you know it's tricky. And and when you hear you hear Judge the oblique, I mean that's just another really tricky one too. Um, Especially a big guy, you know, tightly wound. Yeah. I mean, and what's his name with the you know Stanton with the with the bicep? Like is you know again part of your value is your ability to answer the bell. Mm-hmm. It's not just it, I, yes, our injuries. Bad fortune, yes. But when I'm valuing valuing you, if you get hurt a lot, you're less valuable to me because you don't play as much. I can't count on you. It was a guy like Dono, right? Dono was always hurt for the Mets. Right. I mean, we, whether you believe in his skill or not, it's a whole other conversation. Right. If you can't just, be on the field, doesn't matter. You're on, you on the field. Like, I can't. I, how can we? You know, do the Mets? Do the Mets? Is Todd Frazier going to be a regular player for the Mets if they're in contention? In July. I hope not. <laughs> I hope not. Because that means a lot has gone wrong. And I think there's a lot of... Uh, the, I think they... The, fo- I think they... I feel... I sense that they're forced feet. They want to play Todd Frazier for some reason. Comment. Maybe, 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 maybe because they're financially invested in him for some reason or another. I, I but you got to pay him anyway. So I can't see another reason why. I mean, you got... I mean, you just signed Lowry. Again, troubling because... Uh, first, that was a two. It was a two to three week injury. Now you don't hear about him anymore, right? And right. You go into like Ellsbury World. So I mean, here's how I'll answer this: If guys like Jeff McNeil, I love that kid, are going to sit at the expense of Todd Frazier, then something is terribly wrong because you can't do that. He can play third base, McNeil. You know, so right. Todd Frazier is not Brooks Robinson. 
No, I mean Sorry. he 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 booted. I mean it was a, it was it was a rocket last night. But you could, I mean, I'll give him a little bit of latitude too because this is his first week back at the baseball. He's been out with, with an injury as well too. He did hit a big grand slam the other day, but I don't, you know. Well, I I have to. I have to disagree for one reason. It's not like he wasn't, he didn't go on vacation with his parents and miss two weeks of the season. He's been working out. Right. He's been, re, rehab is not just physical rehab. You're taking ground balls, you're playing, you might be playing in a couple of, you know, double A games or triple, whatever. You're not, you're not sitting home eating and then running to City Field and playing in yeah. the game. But I mean, the, the, but the speed of the major league game. I mean, I the understand. Speed of the major but you're, you're a 12, 13 year major league veteran. The ball shouldn't so, so surprise yeah, you. So yeah, I mean, that, that, so I'll, agree, I'll I'll give you that one. You're right. right. He's, he's he is a veteran, and he should be held to a different standard in terms of preparation and whatnot. So, what's your take on Ahmed Rosario? I don't know if he's ever going to pan out. I don't. I, I you know. Someone said this the other day on Twitter. I thought it was hysterical. Ahmed Rosario is the fastest guy who always gets thrown out by one step. <laughs> I think it was a dynamite, dynamite. Because it's true, though. If you ever watch it, he, he steals a base. It's by it's by a foot. He, he, gets, he gets thrown out. He hits a little dribble in front of the plate. He's thrown out by a step. You know, I mean, he's he's still kicking the ball around the infield a little bit. I'm shocked at that. I really am. Yeah. I, he's So I, a, a young guy like that, yeah, he's got to grow a little bit, but there has to be one aspect of your game that can contribute. If you're not going to hit, we'll bat your eighth, but we want you to field everything at shortstop. You don't have to make every great play. Just make the routine plays. And it's, he's, he's kicking balls around a little bit right now. And at the beginning of the season, I thought that he was going to be somewhat of a wild card to their success. And I still sort of feel that way because he's probably the most athletically gifted, which isn't saying much for the Mets at this point, but... Um, don't have a lot of confidence in it. That he is a drift athlete. I had him in 2014 in Brooklyn, and um, he did stuff that was really, you know, eye-opening with the ball and uh, not so much with the bat, but in the field, you're like, wow, this kid's got a lot of ability. But um, you're right. You have to be able to feel a routine ball. You got to be able to, you know, make the plays. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's a couple of positions in baseball that you can get away with less than adequate hitting. Shortstop and catcher. Right, and catcher. Right. Field your position at shortstop. Be a fantastic shortstop uh, from the fielding side. And the same thing as a catcher. Catch a good game. Call a good game. Throw runners out when you need to. And whatever I get from you at the, at the plate is going to be a bonus. But unfortunately, he's he's kicking the ball around still right now. So I, I don't really know what the end game is going to be for Rosario. The talent's there. I, he's just he's still young enough that he may be able to put it together. But it's it's a little worrisome. I'll be I, I won't lie about that. I'm going to give you the ability to go back in time. Oh. Um. Knowing what you know now, right? Uh, it's late June, two thousand eighteen. What do you do with the ground? Because this is how you learn. You go back and say, "Okay, would I? What would I do if I had the chance to do it over again?" See, it's hard to say if you would have if you if you would have changed that question and say, "What would you have done with the ground after September?" My answer would have been, "I would have traded him." Okay, I would have moved him. I'll give you. I'll give you because my my take the entire time on the ground is, and as much as I love him. I, Last year was the year. I mean, there's, to me, it was only backwards from there. It's very, very hard in today's baseball to really emulate what he did last year. Right. So there had to be some level of regression this year. So you maybe wanted to get the most you could for him at his peak, right? I mean, I was terrified when I heard about his elbow the other day, which could still be a problem throughout the year. We don't know yet. But that would have been my answer in September as much as... And how do you, how do you rationalize as a fan and a guy who really knows the game, you're not just a fan, uh, giving him a new deal... And then giving him an extension. Makes no sense from a business perspective, right? But as when a, you didn't have to until 
two years from now? I'll give you the Metfan answer. It's an organization that just is completely unstable, and they have been unstable for quite some time. I think you send a good message to the fans by taking care of your own at the cost of business, whether you agree with it or not, that you know what? We're going to sign our best player and we're going to make him the centerpiece of how we, of where we want to be within the next two or three years to move forward. Whether you agree with it or not, from a business side, I think it, sen- it does sen- somewhat send the message to fans that this isn't the same Mets from the Sandy Alderson regime when that's, whenever that started. We're trying to you know, move on to a new day. That, that's the way that I take it as a fan. So are you trying to convince me or yourself that it was good business? Because it does sound like more symptomatic of bad business. I think it's it, it's hard. To, you know, it, do you want to believe that that was by design, or as I, I think, it was just really more sign of some internal chaos? I want to that makes no sense at all. I, as a fan, I want to believe it, it was by okay. design. And as a guy who really knows the game, I think it was chaos. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was, because there's the, there's the, I mean, what, what are the choices at that point? Right? I, you, I know, I know. You, I mean, I it, know. you're backed into a corner. Yeah. You, you know, you, you don't, you don't sign the guy. It's the same old Mets. You know what I mean? If you, you don't right. sign him, you have a, you have an angry Jacob deGrom for the entire season. When you're trying to bring on a new era, you just got a new general manager. It was an impossible situation. If you ask me. Yeah, I, I, th- I, I, I agree. And I also think that it's another case in point where other general managers, other front offices are going to look to that and say, you see, it's not a great deal. It was a bad move. You've got to hold, you've got to stand your ground. You had, look, you had two more years. He was going to get huge money this year and huge money next year. And if he had any kind of season, he was going to get gigantic money three years after that. What you don't hear about those, what the Atlanta Braves did with Acuna and Albies too much. Right. So, I mean, they, they, uh, Right. You want to talk about a shrewd business move on the Albies deal. A lot of people were saying, you know, what is what is this? What is this? Who's representing this kid to, to be able to take that deal? He, what he could have gotten on the open market. But you know what? Sometimes a bird. But he's not going to be on the open market for a long time. A long time. A long time. See, I, I, I believe I'll buy futures. Mm-hmm. I'd rather, I'd rather, and this isn't going to happen because the kid is really terrific. I'd rather look three years down the road. And regret the next couple of years that I have to pay a kid like that, then be the Mets who had no really good reason to extend Jacob Degrom because he was going to be extremely well compensated this year and incredibly well compensated the year after. Right. Um, then be in that position because that's buying futures. It's like my my thing with Mike Trout. I think that's. I, I'm sorry. You could add me. You could. Give me all the stats you want about Mike Trout. I think it's a crazy deal. I wouldn't have done it. I just wouldn't do it. You don't have to do it. Because at some point, you're going to say, boy, are we throwing, we are throwing $40 million a year away or $32 million a year away on this guy. He's 37 years old and he just doesn't produce. So it makes me think about those. So the, the Mets did something similar a few years back with Ligares, which completely blew up in their face. They tried to extend him. They thought he was going to be the next, you know, great center fielder. But, the, but prior to that, and, and I give Manaya a lot of credit, he did it with Wright and, he did it with Wright and Reyes. But he, and he did it before Wright's mega contract, Correct. right? Correct. So, I mean, he invested in the future of those guys right. at a time where the Mets were significant contenders, right? So... So you'd rather what what you do with a guy like Albies is you circumvent his weight. He doesn't have to wait anymore. You're going to get a lot of money, and you're going to get more money than you could ever imagine. It's right. a ton of money, but you're not going to have to make six hundred thousand dollars. Right? And that's, I mean, are you are you going to get? I, I don't know what you're going to get. How many years did they extend Albies? Uh, it was, it was a, I think it was four or five, maybe. Okay, so you're going to be just 
on the precipice of free agency anyway. He's still going to be on the 30, right? Right. Young you're going to be like a 26-year-old guy, 27-year-old guy. If you put up any kind of numbers, you're going to get make a fortune. And you will not be a guy who says, you know what? I had to wait all this time and I was making $600,000 a year. Right. So I, I don't well, – you know, it's it's funny. You, you, you complain about how long it takes you to get the free agency. Then a team – says to a guy, screw it, we're going to mitigate that weight and pay you a fortune. You're going to have you're going to have financial security the rest of your life. You're never going to have to worry about money again. And the players complain about that as well. Yeah. It's a no-win. So when it comes to a guy like DeGrom, when you can wait a year or two, I don't know why you didn't. And I agree. If I can go back, I said it. I said it in September. I said it in June. I said, you, you really, sh- you should move him. Because I just, I'm not sure that the Mets are going to play enough important baseball such that uh, you're going to get enough value from yeah, I, the and The optics on the Mets side play into it as well, too, because you know no matter what, if they made that deal, no matter who was involved in the deal, it was never going to be enough. Right. It was never going to be enough. They were always going to get scrutinized for it, too. So Right, I mean, unless they start out, you know, 28-6, and six, you know. Right. Then it's enough. Then people forget they won't be able to spell DeGrom's name. I mean, if they went out and pillaged someone's farm system for right. him with guys who Which are, is what I said they should do, and that's the, what I would do. You know, right. on the cusp of becoming right. pro players. Right, I want Vlad Guerrero Jr. And you, you, Toronto was never going right. to move him. Exactly. And, 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 and what, what value does DeGrom have to a team like Toronto? So that's None. another thing, too. There's a very small sample of population right. teams. So you're, you're, it's a good guy. I don't want to say this, but you are stuck with him. Yeah, no, you're, I mean, you're stuck with it because there's really not, which, which speaks to value also. Right. You know, it does speak to value as well. That he really is only valuable to a couple of teams. You know, I mean, maybe like the like the Houston Astros, they highly value their farm system. So, I mean, a guy like the Grom would have helped their organization, but I don't know if they would be willing to part with the pieces that would have needed to be to get them. Especially since they're already a World Series contender. Yeah, as I, they are, if they make no changes, and, they, and their staff is is loaded as it is too. I mean, they got you know, they're ridiculous. I, that, that to me is just like icing on the cake. For I them. agree. It's not a need. I agree. So I agree. Um, Anthony Esposito, I guess, what is this? This is Tommy and Espo right now. Tommy, Tommy and Espo. Espo. Yeah. I like this. It's go. pretty good. We got to get a logo made. It's <laughs> not branding this thing. Um, so um, we're going to wrap it up. All right. Um, it's been great. You know, you're uh, obviously my periodic co-host. Uh, been fun as always, dude. Really you is. Bet, you bet. Um, we are going to... Uh, Wrap it up here on The Conversation. I'm Tommy Weber, Anthony Esposito. Freddie Mercury is going to take us out. 1985, Live Aid. Awesome. Cleo, I love you. Thanks for listening to The Conversation with Tommy Weber. Have any thoughts on today's episode? Ideas for a new one? Join the conversation on Twitter at TommyWeberBball or Instagram at TommyWeberBaseball and share your thoughts. Tommy's back next week with a new episode of The Conversation. Subscribe and listen for free at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, CastBox, TuneIn Radio, Radio Public, and Stitcher. And of course, always at TommyWeberBaseball.com. Come.